Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Crazy Ex-Wives Club. Super excited to talk to you this week all about fitnessing. How do you get back into the gym and do it in a way that helps support your energy repair versus depleting it even more? I have my guest Carl with me today, excited to talk to you about all things rebuilding and replenishing when it comes to getting your body moving. Let's get started. Welcome to the Crazy Ex-Wives Club, a podcast dedicated to helping women navigate the emotional journey that is divorce. I'm your host, Erica, and if you're trying to figure out life after the big D, welcome to the club. Whether you're contemplating divorce or dealing with the aftermath or any of the many phases in between, the club has got you covered. Each week, you'll hear stories from women who have been in your shoes. This isn't about spilling tea on divorce details. This is about giving you the tools to take control of your own healing journey. Listen in weekly for advice, tips, and tools to help you move through each stage of the process. Hello, welcome, Carl. Thanks for joining us this week on the Crazy Ex-Wives Club. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you uh, so much for having me. Wonderful. So Carl is a trainer here in the Twin Cities. We met a couple years ago now during the great shutdown of 2020 when we were working out of a garage. So it was a super fun experience to cross paths with some of the other trainers in the area that worked out of buildings that I wasn't at. And I wanted to invite Carl on today because fitness was a large part of my healing journey. I didn't realize it at the time, right? I was just taking advantage of the fact that the stress of the divorce caused me to lose 30 pounds in 30 days, wasn't eating, wasn't sleeping, adrenal glands were shot. And I thought, hey, let's not lose this because losing 30 pounds is really hard, but maintaining it or building it back in a healthy manner would be really helpful. So it brought me to the gym. It brought me to starting to be aware of fitnessing and it started to show me that there was a lot of healing work that was happening while at the gym. So Carl is here today to talk to us, to give you some tips to help you guys navigate that same journey because one of the biggest struggles I see is especially for women, is that we go and we jump into the healthy movement aspects and we push so hard that it actually is counterproductive. It spikes cortisol. It causes too much stress. It actually makes you hold on to the excess weight versus letting it go. So Carl, talk to us a little bit about that. What have you seen with that? How do you help your clients work through that? Because I don't think we notice that. I think we go, oh my God, the weight's on. I have to work out harder. I have to be on the treadmill more. I have to lift more instead of realizing that maybe we actually need to take a step back. Yeah. So when you start to talk about stress... Many people have probably heard this before, right? There's two different types of stress. There's regular stress and then there's EU stress. EU stress is more of, of like working out, right? It's the good kind of stress that are that we put our body under. However, if we're completely stressed out already on a daily basis, whether it be at home life, job, kids, whatever it may be, going into the gym and adding more stress on top of that, you have to be strategic with it in order to actually see improvements. And you kind of have to have a planned approach so that your body can slip out of that sympathetic state and back into that parasympathetic state so that you can actually rest, recover, let your cardiovascular system recover, your nervous system recover, your muscular system recover, everything like that. So I think it's important to understand that even though 
you know, stress usually gets demonized, just the word stress. There is some things that are, that are good stressors out there for our body, for our health. Yeah. And it's definitely about finding the right amount of stress. Like I had never experienced a period in my life where I was so stressed that I couldn't eat lots of times. So stressed, eat the ice cream, (laughs) not so often that you're so stressed that like half an apple made me nauseous, that things were going on outside of my control. But because it had been a gradual progression, I also had adjusted to just operating under that level of stress. So I wasn't even aware of it until it got so bad that it started actually affecting my physical health, like the adrenal glands, my hormone system was shot, my digestion was shot, a whole bunch of other things were going on, which is why I wanted to get into movement. I wanted to rebuild in a healthy manner. I wanted to put things back with the right building blocks and finding the right movement. So one of the things that I really valued and learned is amidst all of my big heavy lifting. So for those of you that follow along, you know that I fell in love with the rack. I fell in love with the back squats. That is my jam. I would do that every single day of the week. I mean, I used to be so pissed during my divorce that I just roll into the gym and go to a back corner and just squat heavy five by fives, just go into town on like 200 pounds. And people are like, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, this is the fun. This is how I work through it. But what I also learned is all about zone two, which is that more of like an active recovery, like an easy place to work out. So educate us, Carl, on like heart rate zones and kind of what it means. And then how do we know what zone we're in if we're not using a heart rate monitor? Sure. Your body has typically two different types of energy systems, right? You're typically either going to be burning carbohydrates, glucose, that type of energy. So think like quick, fast stuff, or you're going to be burning more more fat, which is more of your zone one, zone two type of activities. Well, let me give you an example first. So I used to have this client named uh, Melissa, and Melissa worked in a very high-stress environment at work. She had a lot of trouble dropping the weight that she wanted to drop. At the same time, she was very routine, very disciplined about getting her workouts in. And her favorite workouts were hit style workouts, high heart rate stuff, right? The stuff that's going to stress your body out. So she would go from work where she's extremely stressed and to the gym to put more of that stress on her body. So at the end of the day, her body isn't getting rest, right? It's not entering that recovery state, that parasympathetic state. And so as she started to work with me, we focus less on caloric burn, which usually comes with the high heart rate type activities, right? A lot of us have been trained into the thinking that, well, working out is just a means to an end to burn calories, right? Right. It's like, well, I ate a piece of cake last night, so now I've got to spend 30 minutes on the treadmill today, which is a really weird relationship with exercise that you don't want to get into in, kind of that, that motivation that comes from not following your plan or getting off of your routine, right? That exercise, that fitness should be meant to more or less celebrate what your body can do. It's you taking the time to take care of yourself. And so what we started to slowly do with Melissa was we started to change her activities from high heart rate stuff, sweating a lot, cardio, and we had her start lifting more weights. Obviously, when you're weightlifting, you're not going to burn as many calories as you are during a cardio session. And what I mean by that is I want to compare apples to apples. So if you were to spend an hour on a treadmill running or jogging and an hour lifting weights, 
you're going to burn exponentially more calories in that given hour on the treadmill, right? However, that's when that caloric burn stops is when you're done on the treadmill. When it comes to lifting weights, you're not going to burn quite as many calories lifting for an hour than you are on the treadmill. However, what that, that adaptation forces your body to do 24, 48 hours later is continually repair the damage, damage, good damage that you've done to muscle fibers and repair and recovery. Right? So we're getting that, that physical benefit. We're challenging, we're providing stimulus to the muscles without jacking her heart rate up, right? So after that training session, she can slip back into that parasympathetic state a lot faster than if she went to a cycle class right after work, burned, you know, looked at the old watch and saw she burned 600 calories, got the endorphin rush that she worked really hard. But obviously, that's not going to get her anywhere further down the road because she's just in that that stress loop. Yeah, it was really helpful for me. Luckily, I was, you know, doing classes. We were wearing heart rate monitors. Wednesdays at that point were active recovery days. And so you were really trying to maintain this zone two level. And every time I do anything, my heart rate spiked and my heart rate spiked and we could see it. And so the the trainer was like, take it down take it down, right? Like something as simple as like we were doing, well, not, it's not simple, but like burpees over a, a bar, right? So you got to do a burpee and then you got to jump over the bar and then you do another one. And so it's not anything heavy. It's It's got a lot of explosive activities. My heart rate couldn't handle it. And he's like, literally, you're going to step over the bar. And then it was, you're not actually going to move anywhere. You are just working on staying in that zone because my body was so ready to fight or flight, right? It was so ready to take on what was happening that I couldn't actually maintain a more calm, like a fat burn level. And that was when things started to shift. I think it's also can be really challenging because a lot of newer coaches specifically, or coaches who haven't worked a lot with women in our unique hormone system, want you to just push through it right? I hear it all the time. Just keep pushing. It'll, it'll regulate. It'll get there. Just keep pushing and working at it. And it was really hard for me to, to learn how to push back. And eventually I just started ignoring them and being like, it's not going to happen. But do you have any advice then for listeners who are experiencing that? Maybe they have joined a gym. Maybe they're getting a lot of pressure from that coach. Who's just saying work harder, push harder. It'll get there. What could they do or what should they say? I would say, you know, obviously working with a coach can help give you some guidance towards where you want to go. And vetting the coaches up front is an important process because in today's day and age of social media, right, it's it's kind of unfortunate that people can reach the level of, of influence or celebrity without the merit behind it. And so I think spending a little bit of extra time up front, finding a coach that feels right to you, that you know, seems like they're educated, seems like they have some place of experience that they're speaking from. I think that's a really good place to start. And I think beyond that, a lot of people need to understand more about breathing. Because as you probably experience in alpha, your respiratory system has a lot to do with what your heart rate is at, right? If you're doing a lot of chest breathing, right? Like we're I'm pretty sure we're still one of the only mammals on earth that can run and breathe at the same time, right? And so we get into this habit of expanding through the chest instead of using more diaphragmatic yoga type of breathing. And one of my mentors a while ago mentioned to me, he's like, when you're in a training session, 
what you want to do during your rest period specifically is try to bring your heart rate down as low as it can go. So, you know, there's a famous bodybuilder, Ben Pakulski, who's, he meditates for, you know, two to three minutes in between his sets because he's looking at it as, okay, I only have so many heartbeats to get me through the next maybe 60 to 90 minutes before my body reaches that point of fatigue, whether it's through muscular fatigue, cardiovascular fatigue. So really understanding how do I breathe during those rest periods? Cause then that down the road helps you control that heart rate a lot better. Yeah. Breathing. It's like under talked about, talked about all the time when you're looking at meditating, right? When you're looking at yoga, because we're literally partnering the breath with the movement. But when it comes to the rest of our time, <laughs> we're not talking about breathing. And it it is the one thing it'll tap into your parasympathetic nervous system, right? You can't tell your heart rate to beat slower. You can't tell your body or your mind to relax. You can tell your body take five deep breaths. Right. You know, start to like release that tension. And with every breath, you are impacting the rest of those systems, slowing the heart rate, relieving some of the stress and anxiety, impacting those cortisol levels. I even think about I jumped on the bandwagon of the Lumen device, you know, breathes and records your, you know, am I burning carbs? Am I burning fat? Cause I love data. So I was yep. like, Ooh, I want to know what's happening. And if I sit yeah. down and meditate first and just do regular breathing, but focused breathing, I score lower, right? Then if I'm, I'm not, I'm realizing, wow, Erica, you're still really shallow breathing. You're still moving really fast. That's keeping all those systems spiked a little bit higher. So being able to watch that breath as you're working through any movement is going to be really important. And you guys, this is something you can do outside. So a couple of times a day, just sit down, put your hands on your, on your belly, on your diaphragm, and just allow that feeling of letting it move. And if it doesn't move, then you really are all chest breathing up here and you need to just start focusing on like, okay, how do I relax the shoulders and how do I allow that belly to drop forward, to move through it? Yep. I love meditating between sets. This might have to happen. I might now I'm going to be over there on a back right. day like, okay, we're ready. <laughs> and like you said, that the meditation breathing, like, I don't know if, if you've heard of box breathing before, you know, it kind of goes along the same with all those, but it's, you know, sometimes I'll practice box breathing and my protocol for that is do a four second inhale through your nose, hold that air in your lungs for four seconds, do a four second exhale. And then the trickiest part is sitting there with nothing in your lungs for four seconds. That's when your body really starts to freak out. The deeper that you can get into that box breathing cycle, the more your body is going to adapt to that stressful feeling so that you're not impacted by it so much, especially when you feel like you're, you're gasping for air, you're getting low on breath or respiratory as you're working out. Yeah. So you guys, your takeaway, you need to start some four second box breathing. I know we've mentioned it before, but we haven't really said like, just go do it. It doesn't have to be a long period of time. This is not another thing mm -hmm. that has to be added. I mean, you literally could do some box breathing in the shower, like enjoy the feel yeah. of the warm shower, especially as you know, if you're in the Northern hemisphere, we're moving into winter, right? Showers are going to get a little longer, a little warmer because <laughs> now we're all freezing okay. over here in the twin cities. But while you're in there, like enjoy the feel of the hot water, enjoy the steam, the relaxation and do a couple cycles of that box breathing. Do a few before you go to bed and it'll change the quality of your sleep that night. It's super simple. So four in, hold for four, four out on the out, empty lungs, hold for four. They do say that's like the closest to like your body freaking out to what it feels like to be dead, right? Because there's no air in the lungs. 
it's just uncomfortable, you guys. And four seconds is totally, totally doable. We didn't say eight seconds. Some people do really long box breathing, just four. <laughs> but yeah, even going through 10 cycles of a box breath, you know, if you have a, a somewhat of a busy mind like I do, just sitting there trying to do 10 consecutive box breaths can be challenging because all of a sudden your mind starts to wonder. You're not counting to four anymore. You might get messed up in the cycle. So I think a good goal for people is just sit down, try to do 10, and then try to build on top of that each time that you're doing it more. I love that. So to close out on heart rate zone two, before I ask you my next question is how does somebody know that they're in zone two? You know, if they're not monitoring on a heart rate, what do kind of each of the, there are five zones, right? What do they each feel like so that somebody can kind of, if they don't have all the the tech and the gadgets, they can gauge themselves what it should feel like in their body. A lot of times my workouts, I'll have my clients end with a, a 10 minute incline treadmill walk to bring them back into that parasympathetic state, that zone two. And so how I tell them, because a lot of my, I don't do a ton of coaching with heart rate straps. I have in the past, but I tell them do it more based off of feeling. So if you're walking on the treadmill, imagine I'm standing next to you. We would still be able to kind of carry on a conversation or maybe like, you know, every eighth or 10th word, I might have to do the just to get one more breath in as I can keep going. So don't think like, you know, zone two would be, and then I came on Erica's podcast, right? It's much more calmer than that. Yeah. So yeah, if you don't have a chest strap or a way to, and you can even, you know, do like a pulse check on your wrist or up on your, on your neck to gauge, you know, typically that zone two, I would say most people are going to be in zone two if they're under 120. And then kind of based off of that, the better shape you're in, the lower that number is going to go. Yeah. So definitely the, can you still talk? while you're working out, right? So can you carry on a conversation? If you're super, super winded, if you can't catch your breath, slow it down. Even if you know the workout you're trying to follow says you're supposed to sprint or you're supposed to run, if you can't maintain that heart rate, right? You're dropping it down. What'll happen is your body is going to adjust. Like Carl just shared that your you know ability, it adapts. So your heart rate starts to change. You can hold that zone longer under higher pressure. You know, for me, I know I broke down and bought a treadmill. I'm looking at it right here. So I can like just walk because my steps were super low. So we'll get to tips in a second. But after no longer working in a corporate office, I wasn't hitting 20,000 steps a day running to the bathroom, to the meetings on the second story, to the cafeteria, right? Like all of a sudden I was barely hitting 3000 steps. And so now I just plug it in, right? I do my like 60 minutes while watching TV at night. And I know for me, for zone two, it's right about like 45 minutes right now that I like break a sweat, even though I'm not winded. I'm talking. Last night I did it while talking on the phone to my friend. We chatted the whole time. And all of a sudden I'm like, whoop, okay, I've hit that point. Like all of a sudden I'm hot and your body is is turning on the furnace and getting through the stuff that it needs to. And it is far more effective for me than you know, doing sprints, then running a mile, then pushing my body to a level that, you know, yesterday's workout was a little intense. What happened? I came home and I wanted to eat a candy bar because it was too much (laughs) in the system. And I was like, well, I like ate the candy bar with an apple so that I could pretend like it was, you know, healthy somewhere (laughs) in the middle. But yeah. Hey guys, it's Erica. I want to personally invite you to join the Crazy Ex-Wives Club cohort. This is a small group coaching program that I am thrilled to be leading. If you're a woman navigating the rocky waters of divorce, I know how challenging it can be. 
and it's why I created this program. I truly believe it can make a difference in your journey. Each week we'll meet for 60 minutes and I'll be right there with you, guiding you through the healing transformation of the three phases. From those uncertain moments in your marriage to the overwhelming after world of divorce, we're gonna conquer it together. You'll learn how to line up to what you want, you'll find yourself, and you'll get your feet underneath you to thrive in your new world. And the group isn't just about coaching, it's about community. You'll have the chance to connect with others who understand what you're going through, and I'll be there to provide expert guidance and answer all of your questions. So if you're tired of feeling alone on the path, if you're ready to experience guided development, support, and the warmth of a community that truly gets it, this is your invitation. Don't hesitate. Check out the details at thecrazyxwivesclub.com and take that first step towards healing and thriving. I can't wait to meet you and be a part of your journey towards a brighter future. The Crazy Ex-Wives Club cohort is your path to empowerment. So what are you waiting for? I promise you won't regret it. You guys go check it out. And I can't wait to see you in the group. I have a question for you really quick. So when you started working out at the garage, how did you meet John or like, how did you guys start training together? And then when you transitioned out of the garage and kind of back into the gym, how did you choose which gym, which coach you were going to go to everything like that? Yeah. It's like you read my mind. Those were the next questions coming up. How do you pick the right type of movement? How do you pick the right coach? So my long story is in 2015, when the then husband just quit, you know, comes home from the bar, love you, I'm not in love with you, I'm done, my world crashes. Now, about six months earlier than that, we lived half a mile from a lifetime location. And he had been pushing me like, you just should go sign up. If for nothing else, go sign up to drop our son off at the daycare and sit in the cafeteria for two hours. He had worked retail. So he worked all weekend. I was home solo all weekend with what was then, you know, a new baby by time 15 rolled around, he was like three or four. And I just was super stressed, right? Cause I had all this stuff and I couldn't figure out how to fill the day. And so he's like, just go. And I never did. So then you know, the world falls apart. I can't eat half an apple. I am wanting to build this back appropriately because I had reached my heaviest point at that time. I was really unhappy with what I looked like, but I was a, you know, new mom working full time, stressed out about the relationship. There was no extra time to get workouts in. It wasn't happening. I had finished my yoga teacher training in hopes that if I dropped real cash on the line that made me have to do my yoga, I'd start doing it again daily. And I still just wasn't doing it. I was exhausted. So I end up going and joining boot camp. So I started first by signing up for their boot camp classes and realized right away that the high intensity, the push, the do more reps, the go faster wasn't working for me. And I was already starting to push back. So, you know, if we're doing whatever the the rep or the movement is, I even think it was something like, you know, like fire hydrants where you're on your hands and your knees and you're lifting up one leg, right? And we were supposed to use a resistance band or we were supposed to go faster. It was something along those lines. And I just said no. And I went slower and they were like, what are you doing? You need to go faster. This is about reps. And I was like, that's not going to work for me because I'm going to start cheating and using the wrong muscles, which is only going to create unhealthy patterns. Like the right muscle isn't activating. And so I, I prefer to do little micro movements. So started in bootcamp within a month. I was like, this is not right. I got recruited into alpha. Alpha is kind of like lifetime's version 
kind of sort of like CrossFit. I know they, they don't like it when I say that, but it, you know, your squats and deadlifts and cleans and snatches. And then you're also doing what I loved was the metabolic conditioning. And so not only were we lifting heavy, but we were having some sort of 10, 15, maybe 20 minute work to really work on the, that heart rate zone. So joined Alpha in 17. No, must've been before that. Anyways, never left. Like joined in 15. I'm sure it was 15. Was at a Fridley location for a while. Then one of my friends was like, no, you need to come to the New Hope location. So moved to New Hope location, still in Alpha. That's where I met John, which is who I met Carl through. So went through quite a few different trainers at the New Hope location, but really found that it was like, you know, my version of I love therapy. It was just another therapy. It had movement, it had physical rebuilding, and there was a social aspect because of the group. And so I really felt fulfilled at the end of all of the the classes. So I worked with John for a few years out of New Hope before COVID hit and shut everything down. So when COVID first hit and we all stopped working out, I was laughing because I was the only one not working out and baking banana bread every day because that's what we all did, right? And I was losing weight. And I was like, well, this is weird. What is going on right now? Like I'm not working out and I'm eating a ton of junk that I never used to eat. And I'm like losing even more weight than I thought was possible. So did my best to navigate it solo. Eventually I was like, nope, we're going to get back into something. So John had opened up his garage gym and started working out there a couple of days a week. So eventually what happened was over an hour it took me to drive round trip to get one hour in the gym was not paying off. It was adding more stress to my life than helping. And so I had to make the hard choice that like I had to stop. And that was scary because I didn't want to lose what was happening, but I knew that like I was driving home bitching about something. Right. And my girlfriend's like, you need to stop. You're like more stressed after this than before because of the drive and the rushing to get back and all the stuff. So I left and ended up going to a little tiny gym on the corner, like little like loving hands at home. The guy just collected fitness equipment. Everything was jammed in there, but nobody was ever there. And so you used a little key fob and you let yourself in. And I started using an app called FitBod. Have you heard of the FitBod app? I have heard of it. I I don't have any experience with it. So... What I loved is it tracked my workouts and it built it for me. So the last thing I want to think through is what I actually need to do. Like even to the point of if somebody writes me a workout and I know five by five and da, 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 I don't want to know. I don't want to have to think of what it actually means. I don't want to have to rethink of what that movement means, even though I know it. So I love that there was like a number and a video and then I just hit go and it made it very easy. So I did that for quite a while until finally rejoining Alpha end of last year. So my cycles had shifted again. I started putting on more weight. I was like, what is going on? You know, that like new relationship 15 (laughs) that you put on through uh, Jameson and Jameson and French fries had caught up with me and I wanted to like move a little (laughs) bit more. But what I have learned is I thought I needed more movement, but I'm experiencing that same little bit of a struggle of it's too much on some days because we don't have the active recovery day, which is why I've added in, you know, two miles of walking or yoga on the days I'm not in the gym, that it was just stressing my body and my body like held on to every extra pound that it had. And it's been far harder than it should be. 
So I think your other question was, how do you pick what you do? So, yeah. And this is the same question I wanted to ask you to tell people as well. For me, I really go in seasons. I crave, like when I went back to alpha, I was so ecstatic. I was so happy. It was the thing that I had missed. I had been gone for a lot of years. I walked back in and blew through every PR I had by at least 15 pounds. And I'd walked in, I was like, oh, I'm not going to hit anything. Cause you know, I haven't lifted anything heavier than 195 pounds in like three years. And all of a sudden it's, yeah, it's 250. It was 260. Like deadlift was a new PR. Back squat was a new PR. Everything was just exploding. So I really, really loved it. I needed it. I wanted it back. And then I had a new season. Something shifted where that old version of me, this, I have to prove that I can do it, which was a super important season of my divorce process. Somebody had to carry me through the shit that was my divorce. And so this other almost like version of me showed up that said, you can hike the mountain, you can lift the weights, you can push harder because I needed her to get me through it. And this summer I realized that I don't need her as often because I have found me more so. So that led me to craving slower movement again, moving back through the treadmill work, moving back through yoga work, and also looking at shifting back into using the FitBot app because I don't need to be doing a four-week power build to get to a new PR anymore. And so for me, I look at what do I crave in my body? Surprise one, I've really craved running like one lap on a track, not a full mile. We're not there yet. (laughs) But I found that, you know, like I was like, no, no, I actually, I want to move. I want to move like that. And so then I started, you know, I'd opt to run the track instead of doing the row machine, which is always what I used to do for some sort of cardio warm up. So give yourself the opportunity to flex and try different styles because there's a ton. You know, your boot camp stuff is typically a little bit faster. CrossFit stuff is a little bit more power focused. There's all the hit classes that are out there that are that high intensity interval training. And then there's just a lot of like, I even was going to sign up for they have classes specific for like the aging population. <laughs> I was just going to go to those because I, I wanted to just slowly move, but continue to move. So I think it's about trying different ones. Don't feel like you have to pick the one that's really popular. And kind of back to your point, like anybody can hop on social media and become Insta famous nowadays and say that they know what they're doing in terms of training bodies and understanding what's going on. And just because somebody found something that worked for them doesn't mean that it's the right fit for everybody. You have to be the one that listens to your body. And I've bought some of them just to try them because I was like, ooh, a 30-day booty program. Yeah, I'm going to buy this. I'm going to do whatever, you know, and I get through it. And I'm like, that's great. It didn't help me because I didn't squat 250 pounds. So like, (laughs) there was, I was like, holy shit, I have to do like a hundred of these to be able to feel anything. I need a little bit more than what we're talking about here, but you've got to listen to your body So kind of partnering the, you know, heart rate zone, what feels good, what feels like more stress and then trying different types. But what do you recommend for people to figure out kind of different, explore different options? From an activity standpoint, 
I don't do this myself, so I'm not practicing what I preach, but I, <laughs> I think that variety is a thing when it comes to physical fitness. Like I, I love weights. I've always loved weights. It's, it, I don't do enough cardiovascular training. I'm very aware of this. However, you know, think about it in the sense of COVID, right? One thing that COVID taught us was don't have all your eggs in one basket, maybe, because if your whole thing is going to the gym, well, maybe the gym's going to close down one day. Or if your whole thing is running and you live in Minnesota, well, there's about three or four months where it's absolutely miserable to run outside, right? Three or four. So I think six. There's yeah, six right. Months. Yeah, I'm, I'm being a little generous. <laughs> I'm being a little generous with that, but yeah, I would say so. Kind of like you were saying, do a little bit of sampling, right? Maybe you try cardiovascular training for a little bit. Maybe you try mobility training for a little bit. Maybe you then cycle back to some type of strength training. That way. When you get to a point, because I think a lot of people have a long ways to go before they can really like listen to their body and understand what their body is telling them. And so like you're there, you know exactly what your body is looking for and what it wants. But I don't think that you can get to that place without getting the experience of trying out some of those other methods, those other strategies for physical fitness. Yeah, I agree. Because I think we're really disconnected. In fact, shameless plug, I wrote a program on that. It's called Stop the Body Bullshit, which literally is trying to help you reconnect with your body. But anyways, we'll save that for a different day. I think the other thing to call out, you guys, is that, you know, we're saying try and feel around for what you like, but to see your results, consistency is key. And so if I were to jump in, you know, weightlifting, like right now I'm only down to lifting two days a week. So I'm not expecting to see big gains. I'm not expecting even necessarily to, to maintain what I was when I was lifting four days a week because I'm not being as consistent. I'm not working my muscles the way that I was, but I am being consistent and making sure that I am still active four to five days a week. So that's where like I'm putting in the mm -hmm. yoga, I'm putting in the working out if you are jumping and testing and trying different things, just know that when you find one that like, Ooh, this feels good. Or I really like the group or like, you know, I want to stick with this for a while, give it a month, sit with it and give it some time to try it out. I probably desire a new type of activity every three to four months. So I notice that I get like real good at three months. I start to get the itch where I'm like, Ooh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure this is fitting my needs anymore. By four months, I'm ready to jump into something else and figure out what that new solution is. Yeah. That's interesting that it's kind of around that three month time period, because you know, you've probably experienced this with just general programming. Like typically I'll program anywhere between eight and 16 week blocks with my clients before we switch something up because it's right around that, you know, some, some people it's going to be eight weeks. And also obviously it's going to depend on what you're training. You know, are you training for power? Are you training for strength, endurance, but right around that eight to 16 week time period is when our bodies start to adapt. Right. So then what used to challenge us isn't necessarily challenging us to the same degree that it was in the beginning. So that's probably when your body says, okay, I need the next challenge, whatever that is, because I'm still getting something from this, but it doesn't feel like it did in the beginning. Yeah, it's almost like I'm ready to layer something else in. So one of the challenges right now is there's not enough days that are actually lower body for me. And I'm I'm repairing some like trap 
shoulder arm issues that are going on. And so I've cut anything that requires me to have the pull with your traps because what was happening, that micro movement, my traps took over everything. My lats weren't engaging. It was creating more tennis elbow issue. And so even one little like movement of anything that pulls my shoulder up to my ear that muscle's like, hell yes, let's go. <laughs> I'm like, no, stop it. Stop it. And then it, it takes, yeah, it takes me a while to, to get it back down. And so that's where it's like, great. I would love to have four days of lower body with upper body, like complementary stuff, lighter weights, more reps. So being able, my body's like, great, we can keep the, we can keep that lower body lifting in there but we need something else. We need you to move us in a different way because it's just not hitting the mark anymore. I just get antsy and I'm ready to ready to switch it up. Um, well, I can't yep. believe we are almost out of town, but I have more questions. Let's we're almost out of town. We're almost out of time. We can leave town too. Who knows? One thing I was going to mention too that I, I really liked what you said about scaling. Like now you're, you're, you said you're lifting twice a week heavy right now. Yep. So you understand, right? Two days a week is not enough to progress weights. That's more of a maintenance style phase, right? And I think a lot of people need to understand that too when they're going in. Maybe all you can fit into your schedule is those two days, right? That's great if you can fit those two days in, but also make sure that your expectations about progress are going to match what you can dedicate towards that. And that's when you know starting to, to work with a coach can... If you don't have ideas on your own about how quickly you should be progressing or, or how fast you should be moving down that road, that's when a coach can, can really benefit and kind of help you draw that path. Yeah. So let's talk, because I want to talk about two things before we close today. And this is a perfect segue into what are some baby steps? You know, like you guys, if you're like, I don't even have two hours a week, that's fine. My first tip is start with a 15 minute walk. Just get outside. Mm -hmm. Just just take a little 15 minute walk where you're just paying attention to your breathing. Put some good music on that relaxes you. Use it like a meditative walk. You're not running or pushing yourself. You're just going for a stroll. Start by carving out that time or looking at making some slight food changes, which we can get into in a second. But how else do you recommend people start and move into adding more? Because we can't all just jump into five days mm -hmm. a week without impacting other areas of our lives. Yeah. It, it, there's very few people that can kind of dive headfirst in and just almost do like a complete 180 off of the bat, right? That's usually hard for, for most people to do. Honestly, movement is usually where I start with most people, even more so than diet with a lot of people. It kind of will depend on, you know, the training age of the client, what they've tried in the past that hasn't, hasn't worked. That'll determine, you know, where we put our focus in the beginning. But if you were to give me a gen pop person who's sedentary most of the day, yeah, the first thing we're probably going to chase after is getting, you know, everybody likes to use 10,000 steps as a, your marker, a marker. And I think that's great. But if you're only moving 5,000 steps a day and I tell you to go walk 10,000 steps a day, double that, that's, that's a big hill to climb. So I'm in the camp of, Let's add 2,000 to what you're currently doing and then see if we can hit that for a couple of weeks and then add in maybe another 2,000 after that. And teaching them, teaching the clients, this isn't, I'm asking you to set aside time to do a dedicated walk. This is fitting it into other parts of your life. It's a bit corny and, and cliche, but it's, it's parking at the back of the parking lot, parking lot and walking all the way to the front of the store. It's taking the stairs, not the elevator because 
most of us struggle with the hours in the day, right? If, if we had another hour or two, maybe we could have dedicated time for that, but we're trying to sneak it in here and there. And again, when people are working in front of a computer remotely at an office, those steps become more and more sparse. So that's the challenge is trying to figure out where you can fit them into your day and just making it a focus of, okay, I haven't moved in the last hour. Let me get up and just do a five minute walk or something like that. Get my blood flowing a little bit. Yeah. So I love that one. Yeah. A little bit, just try and increase those steps a little bit every day. Aim for that three week time period. I think another, another easy, good one is some gentle stretching. We get really tight sitting at our office Mm -hmm. all day, but it's super easy to start your day with just five minutes of stretching. Or if you watch TV at night, instead of just sitting on the couch, get down on the floor, work through some of those stiff areas, do a little stretching. Then there's, I mean, there are tons of resources on easy stretches that you can do. So I know you can find what you need to do and then just guide yourself Mm -hmm. through what feels good. The other thing too, you guys would be consistency, which we've mentioned, but it's like right now, my lift days are Tuesday and Friday. That's not ideal because there's a big gap in the middle, right? So I know that I need to fill in if I'm going to work out Tuesday, then maybe it's a Tuesday, Wednesday, and a Friday. So try and make sure that you just don't pile all your workouts into three days together in the week, but that you kind of space them out a little bit. So you maybe work out and a rest day, work out and a rest day. But do you have any other tips on that, on the ideal like number of days or how to kind of separate them out as they're building and adding more? Yeah. Again, it's, it's going to depend a little bit on the goal and the client, but I think three to four days per week is a really good place for people to start. You know, two days a week is great. You're going to see significantly more progress once you start adding that third or that fourth day in, like anything. Other things too, like make it important, put it in your calendar, right? If you just say like you have the thought like, oh, I thought I'm going to work out at noon today. Well, noon comes and goes and you don't. But if you put it in your calendar you might prioritize that time a little bit more than if it's just a thought in your head. Yep. Schedule your big rocks, you guys. Little uh, Stephen Covey, right? Seven habits of highly successful people. Put the things that are important in your calendar and they are more likely to happen. So schedule that time. I like to keep a consistent time. So mine's like a 5.30 class. And if I'm not going to class that day, I go upstairs and I do yoga in my bedroom or that's when I go for my walk so that I know that 5.30 is my workout time and it's consistent, you know, four days a week. I also would agree two days a week. I don't, I probably lose gains at three days a week is my maintenance. When I add a fourth day, that's when I finally start to see some shifts in body composition, in ability of like what I'm lifting or how the workout is feeling when I can move some of my heart rate zones. So definitely three or four days. So thank you guys for joining us. My last words of wisdom, there are a ton of coaches out there. It's okay to walk away from some of them. I can't tell you how many coaches I said no to and I left. And sometimes they did not love that. I remember one coach got pissed. Like she came back and she's like, what's your problem with me? And I go, I have no problem with you, but your style and how you're running your classes doesn't fit with my body. I'm not going to be here just trying to lift heavy, push more. I'm going to get injured. That's not my goal. My goal is to feel good, feel comfortable in my body and love what I'm doing. So test out different coaches, either joining a class, working privately with somebody, especially if you're in the beginning. This is like investing in your therapy. 
you know, if you're going to pay for therapy, you can pay for a coach too. But if you can't pay for a coach, because I know money is tight, get into a group class, start to talk and ask questions to people in the fitness world that have gone through trainings that are aware of what's going on in your body to help guide you. There are so many resources out there. So you just have to find the one that is the right fit for you. So thank you, Carl, for joining us today and for helping guide us through our fitnessing journey. Absolutely. Can I mention one more thing? Yeah. You just mentioned what I wanted to kind of wrap a bow around everything at the end. Beautiful. Outsourcing. I don't know why it's like this, right? But when it comes to physical fitness and health, most people are like, I got this. No problem. If all of these TikTokers, if all these Instagrammers can do it, then I can figure it out, right? No problem. That is, if you know me, this will be very funny. That's like me talking about the stock market. I have no idea what I'm talking about. So I pay somebody to figure that part out for me, right? Because I don't have the time to learn about the stock market. So I have a financial advisor who I give money to and he makes all the right decisions for me, right? So when you're looking for a coach, two things that I can tell you to, it's not something to look for. It's something that you're going to feel. Do you like this person? Do you trust them enough? Because you're going to have to like them enough to spend about an hour with them. And you're going to have to trust them enough to give them your money in exchange for results, right? So if you can get those two feelings, doesn't have to necessarily be the best coach in the world, but if they have those two qualities and you guys jive, then it's probably a pretty good fit. I love that because I know that I, I pick up things quickly. And so I just, you know, took it on and learned it and apply it and get connected with my body. And for people who are have zero idea where to start, that can be really hard. And I didn't get to that point without the coaches that I did work with, without the classes that I took. Because even like you guys, I mentioned FitBod, it's a great app, but I sat there and I was like, I have to know what works and what doesn't work. And I have to understand what's a push, what's a pull, what's a full body, what am I working on and adapt it as needed. I really wanted a coach to just program it for me. And that's the beauty of it. When you are so stressed from all the other things that are going on, this is where a coach is key because then you don't have to think about it. You don't have to research it. They're going to be there with you understanding, you know, where are you at? How is your body moving? What results are you seeing or do you want to see? And then it's their job to really manage that for you. They can't do the workout for you. That's not their job. That's your job. Their job is to understand the programming that keeps you fit and safe and is building you towards what you want. And they're going to be able to balance that out, to bring in the exercises, to guide you through it, to watch you while you're doing it so that you're not getting injured, right? They're your personal expert to help you through it. So I do think there's so much value in finding the right fit and enabling them to take over that part of the task. Then you just have to show up and do the work. They've got the rest of the pieces for you. Yep. All right. Thank you guys. Great conversation. I look forward to seeing you all again next week for another episode of the Crazy Ex-Wives Club. Until then, I challenge you to go work on your steps this week just for fun. Get out, get some movement, see what feels good, do a little box breathing, and then maybe start to research where you want to go, what gym you might join or, or movement that you want to put your body through. So until then, you guys take care and I'll talk to you all soon. And that's it. Another great episode of the Crazy Ex-Wives Club, a podcast for women learning how to heal from their divorce. Tune in next week for more advice and tips to help you figure out life after divorce. 
And until then, give yourself grace, do the best you can, and know that this is all part of the process.